a Monday morning. Oh, what a weekend. A lot of close calls. Alabama has a massive comeback. Lane Kiffin gets a win down at Jordan-Hare Stadium. We will get to all of that with ESPN's Tom Luganbill, who joins us with his fall hat on, ready to go. One Looks like you got one more clean shave in, too, before No Shave November. Bring in Luganbill right here. Everything brought to you by my bookie AG. Good morning, Lugs. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Well, I still got a slight little, very, very subtle stubble. So, you know, I just tighten it up for this Monday morning is what I'm doing. Uh, it looks great. The foliage is good up where you are. It's starting to turn down yeah. here as well. And we had great colors in Tuscaloosa with the Tennessee orange and the <laughs> Alabama crimson. We'll get to that coming up. MyBookie.ag brings you this. We still have that 110% deposit bonus. You throw in 1000 you get $1,100 to play with uh, there as well. Bonus deposit money there. MyBookie.ag next round is the promo code to get that 110 deposit bonus deposit bonus there 110 percent use the promo code next round at mybookie.ag bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie mybookie.ag before we get to alabama and some of the other big games it was a close call saturday we get one of those major upset saturdays every year yeah and it looked like this was going to be it but a lot of teams escape close calls let's talk about those games first and we'll start with the one you were at, Oklahoma and UCF. And word started to get out before the game that Gus Malzahn's crew was suffering a little team illness. Turns out, um, if they were sick, those IV bags were because Gus Malzahn and, and the Golden Knights, they brought, they brought some fight to Oklahoma. Well, they absolutely did. Do you like my television production right here? Oh, I Are you did. impressed with this? What do we Are have? Are you impressed with this? Oh, I like this. Walking huh? down the hallway, See? lights. Yeah, we got to walk down the hallway because my the, the Lugan pets are not cooperating oh. with live live uh, podcasting. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I had to relocate the studio from outdoors to indoors. Yeah. Um, listen, I, it, it was a great football game in Norman. And, you know, we talked last week about Oklahoma, you know, kind of basking in the glow of two straight weeks of everybody patting them on the back, telling them how good they were. And we addressed that with Brent Venables prior to the game, and he said they made that first week really, really difficult after the Texas win. And I'll say this about Central Florida. They've got guys at certain positions that could play for anybody in the country. That running back, R.J. Harvey, their three receivers, Kobe Hudson, Townsend, um, they are really athletic, really gifted. What they don't have is competitive depth yet, which is part of that transition from the group of five to the power five level, of course. So they came in with nothing to lose, ready to play. Uh, defense completely shut down Oklahoma's run game, which was shocking, really was, um, until the fourth quarter when Oklahoma needed it, and that's when they started to wear on Central Florida. So, you know, credit Oklahoma for having the resiliency to hang in there. They're at home. It's a raucous crowd. I think for the most part, that crowd is quite quiet. Uh, just because of how the game transpired. But, you know, that, that UCF team blew a game where they were up 35-7 to against Baylor and lost 36-35. They've been injured at quarterback uh, all year long, got blasted at Kansas on the road, and then showed up to play versus Norman. They're 3-4 and four and could easily be 4-3 and three in their first year at the Power 5 level. But I was impressed with Oklahoma's ability 
to just kind of keep chopping away. And they're so vastly improved from what they were a year ago. Great football game. We've seen this. Listen, Jim, we've seen this all year long across the country. I was We were in a game almost exactly like this with another college football playoff contender in Florida State against Boston College in week three. You remember that one? Yes. Same score as this last game we just had, 31-29, came down to the wire. Um, and, and this is what you, you have when you're dealing with 18- to 22-year-olds. Yeah, but I was- you're dealing with kids. And you're dealing with hype. I'll tell you this, though. Uh, Gustin gets that late touchdown, buck 16, I think, left. And yeah. they go for two. And you used to call plays. Uh, you have a whole sheet of two-point conversion plays, especially with today's yeah. overtime rules. you got a sheet of them that you practice. And you have them probably ranked on your best ones that you think really works. Uh, where do you rank a double pass uh, in a two-point conversion scheme when you only got to go two yards. It doesn't seem like it sets itself up for a backwards throw and then a pass from a non-quarterback. Yeah. That play looked too much Gus Malzahn for me. Something a little bit more basic may have tied that game up. Yeah, you're, you're correct. And I think the criticism is fair. And, you know, if you were going to do that, do it with R.J. Harvey, who was a quarterback in Virginia. Um, instead, they decided to do it with Townsend. I will. I, I do have to give Oklahoma some credit here. Um, they were trying to get Javon Baker in the back end line, and he was there. But Oklahoma completely blew up the block at the point of attack that was set up to protect Townsend so he could actually have a chance to throw that ball. So credit Oklahoma for being dialed in, being ready, and making a play to present the, prevent the throw even happening. But I do, I do think that – with some of the quarterback run package with John Rice Plumney, with R.J. Harvey, the way they ran the ball, they came into that game as an number one ranked rushing offense in the Big 12, UCF. A lot of people wouldn't have realized that. Uh, there were a variety of options that I think could have been higher percentage options. And, um, and again, you're right. It's, uh, it has a Gus Malzahn feel to it, didn't it? It did. But sometimes those work for Gus. He coaches a heck of a football game, makes it close, scares Oklahoma, they're three and four. That's the first light loss for UCF with John Rice Plumley uh, starting. They lost three games while he was injured. Another close call. This one's Florida State against Duke. Riley Leonard plays hurt. They're up twenty to seventeen in Tallahassee, and then he gets hurt again. And we go back to another scenario we had last week with Dan Lanning. And I want to get your thoughts first on this. It's 2017. Duke is beating Florida State on the road with an injured mm-hmm. Riley Leonard out now. And you got your backup quarterback in. And you choose to not take a three there. And then you go for it. I guess trying to maybe give yourself a little cushion because you didn't know you'd get back down there. What would you think of Elko's decision to go for that fourth down and then eventually how Florida State comes back and beats a gutsy Duke team? I like it and I understand it because I think Mike Elko, the moment Riley Leonard went out of the game, realized that they probably could not win the game without him. They were going to be hamstrung on offense, particularly in any form of the passing game. Obviously, as a runner, you lose that element that Riley Leonard brings. I, I agree with you in the term cushion. He was probably trying to get as much points as he could to hang on at the end, um, expecting that there would be probably some motivation and a, a bit of a momentum swing now that Florida State saw that they were going to be taking on a backup quarterback. Next thing you know, the chums in the water and the sharks are circling. Um, I don't have a problem with Mike, what Mike Elko did right there. I, I just think he realized in that moment they were going to be in trouble. 
Yeah, and hats off to him. Riley Leonard kept working that leg, that ankle, yeah. trying to get back in the game. And you could just see Elko telling him, you're not going back in the game. Because he was limited when he was in there. I don't know how limited. Yeah. It would have been dangerous for the kid to go back in. So hats off to Elko for sticking with his guns there, knowing he's got more of this season and more of Riley Leonard in the future. Well, I think, you know, you're, you're right about – winnable games going past this you know this was let's keep in mind and i think i think mike elko at every turn is very aware of this and that is you know they went nine and four a year ago but they didn't have the you know three big dogs on the schedule this year they they do they they beat one of them in clemson uh lost a a heartbreaker to notre dame at home and then you've got notre you've got florida state with that defense that duke has if you just get riley leonard healthy They've got an opportunity to to really, really finish down the stretch. And with what we saw just happen to North Carolina, um, which is similar to what we saw happen with North Carolina a, a year ago, it was only a couple of weeks later in the season. Uh, Elko is looking at the at the long view here, and I think that's really, really smart. Okay, so we almost lost Oklahoma. Felt like we were, had a chance to lose Florida State. Just imagine what both of those would have done to the national championship hunt. Yeah. Then there was Texas against Houston, 21 nothing, And then here comes Houston back. We'll talk about Quinn Ewer's injury in a second. But 31-24, third and one. Looked like Houston made the first down, didn't. They don't make a fourth down. Texas survives there. Got a little scary uh, there for the Longhorns battling an old Southwest Conference rival team down in Houston. It, it really did a motivated Houston team. You get Texas at home. I mean, playing Texas at home if you're Houston, that just doesn't happen. So you got a packed house. Um, I thought that was a really poor call. Um, I, I thought it was not only clear, it was more than clear and decisive that he got the line in the game for the first down. That's not how the play uh ended up and, and unfortunately you lose the game now fast forward what, what does texas do going forward uh that's our game this week on abc uh texas and byu coming to town in austin what's the quarterback situation look like it's um from a long-term view that that was a that could be potentially a devastating injury depending on the time away. Yeah, AC joint for Quinn Ewers. It was an SC near the sternum after the Alabama game last year, and he ended up missing three games a month of action. This is in his throwing shoulder, an AC joint. You're a quarterback. You know how that could be sometimes season-ending, and they say it's not Mm -hmm. season-ending. They expect him back this year. But looking at their schedule ahead, uh, you've got some interesting games with Kansas State, this weekend, BYU, yeah. yes, I'm not taking away from that, but Kansas State's playing good football. And then if you do get to that rematch with Oklahoma, you'll need all hands on deck. Malik Murphy yeah. comes in. We've heard rave things about him. And then there's Arch Manning with no experience at all who's now moved into QB2. You've seen this football team. You know what they are. Mm-hmm. Just a, a quick thought on do you think they can navigate what's left in their schedule and get to the rematch again or get to when Quinn comes back? Well, I think the thing that they've got going for them right now is defensively they can keep the score within reach. They're, they can put their team in a position to where they wouldn't have to score 35 or 28 or 42 to win the game. Now, Sark's going to have to start coaching quarterbacks again, right? Because you've got an inexperienced Malik Murphy. We don't know what their plan is for Arch Manning, if they even have one at this turn. 
You know, from Malik Murphy's uh, standpoint, we're gonna we're gonna detail this on Saturday. He was a guy that was a bit of an enigma to me coming out of high school because he was very physically gifted, but he was not overly productive. I get very weary of quarterbacks that are completing 60% or less of their passes at the high school level when they are physically superior to everybody that they are playing. And generally, traditionally, in my view, when you transition that to the collegiate level, if you're going to complete 55% of your passes or 53 or 57, when it gets harder and the competition gets better, that number generally doesn't go up. And I said to our crew yesterday uh, with Malik Murphy, he reminds me an awful lot of Joe Milton in the sense that you love what he looks like physically, you love the arm talent, but the production doesn't always match the talent. And the inaccuracies are there. So I think there's going to be a lot of work to do offensively in terms of how Sark and Texas work this thing. The good news is they've gotten past Kansas without a, a, a Jalen Daniels. They've gotten past Oklahoma already, although they didn't win the game. So if you're going to have to play down the stretch here and you're going to have to do it with a backup quarterback, they should still be the superior team every time they take the field. All right, so one more big scare, the upset, and then we'll get to Alabama's comeback, all brought to you today in part by a friends at Gutter Cap, a patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters to keep out debris and eliminate gutter cleaning, backed up with a lifetime warranty. It's our buddy C. Stu and our friends at Gutter Cap, guttercapbirmingham.com, guttercapbirmingham.com, 45% off retail price right now. If you go to that website, stay off those dangerous ladders forever. You can call up C-Stew at this number right now, 205-823-2212, 823-2212 for our friends at Gutter Cap. The biggest scare of all, Luke's, was Washington, and they ended up not even dropping the polls. They were five. They stay five. But at home, after that massive win over Oregon against Arizona State, Washington survives 15-7. 7-6, Arizona State's up. Fourth and three. Here's a Dan Lanning disciple. He was with him last year at Oregon. Kenny Dillingham, 7-6, you're up. Your defense is playing unbelievable. And on a fourth and three, you don't take a field goal to make it 10-6. Uh, to make it force a Michael Penix touchdown to beat you. You go for it on fourth down. You throw it in the flats. And it's a freaking pick six. <laughs> The only touchdown that Washington gets on the day. Uh, your thoughts first on that decision. Hindsight's 50-50, I know. And then just how Washington and Michael Penix played in that game coming off the big win over Oregon. So the difference between the question you just asked me there and the question you asked me about Mike El- Elko and Duke at Florida State was Florida State was, was a better offensive football team on that day against Duke than Washington and Michael Penix were against ASU on that day. Did you did you realize, you, you mentioned the pick six, that's the first time Washington has won a football game in 22 years without scoring an offensive touchdown. Yes. And that that is, that is a remarkable statistical anomaly to be able to pull that off. I didn't like the call because I felt like Michael Penix was out of sorts. He was airmailing throws. He was missing throws that he routinely makes. He was not playing well, and I think they should have relied on that, should have counted on that. They're playing good defense. And force Michael Panics, who all game long was not playing good enough football to win, force him to change his habits, which is very difficult to flip the switch in the middle of a game. So I, I, where I agreed with Mike Elko's call, 
with the backup quarterback and, and realizing that uh, it was going to be difficult down the stretch. I actually disagree with Kenny Dillingham's call. And uh, listen, Arizona State is a depleted group. I mean, they are hanging by a thread. And I'll give that guy credit. He has had his team prepared to play. He has every single week. And again, what I said, <laughs> Oklahoma, Alabama, uh, whatever you want, wh- whatever team you want to point to on the weekend, Washington, Arizona State, this is what happens when you're dealing with kids, man. You come off that emotional win, and then you're playing a team that everybody says you should walk all over, and what happens? You go out and you kind of linger through it. And and this is college football, and this is what makes college football uh, fantastic. So is it a – is it a scuff on the shiny dome of the Pac-12 so far this season? I don't, I don't think so. Um, but it was certainly a scare, and sometimes you need those to get back on track. All right, so Washington's at Stanford this week, a good place to go after the scare at yeah. home against Arizona State. Okay, the upset that did happen before we get to Alabama's big win was North Carolina losing to Virginia. And you talked about North Carolina last year. For those that don't remember, they lost a game about this time of year when they were the better team to Georgia Tech. So Virginia, who was 1-5 and five coming in, their only win over William & Mary, they get the victory where Drake May, who was moving up the Heisman talk, moving up maybe into the conversation for one or two overall in the NFL draft, maybe passing Caleb Williams with all the evaluations coming up, completes 50% of his passes, 50% against Virginia, and they lose the football game. And this one, it hurts for Mac Brown and that crew. It does, and, and I feel like this is something that Mac Brown is battling each and every week because when we were preparing for the Syracuse game and we were meet with Mac Brown before the game, he repeatedly referenced his team's unfortunate ability to get comfortable. And then he said, you know, you get comfortable, then you get complacent, then you lose. Then we're in the game, and I'm going in the locker room with him. And I asked him after the first half, what are you looking for to close this thing out and finish strong? He goes, I want to see if our team gets comfortable and relaxes. They did not on that day. But this is clearly something that he has a feel for with this team and is a difficult hurdle to get over because you've got a Virginia team that literally is like a snake backed in the corner. They got barely anything left in the tank. They've been so disappointed all year long. You're coming off of a horrendous tragedy a year ago. You've got Mike Hollins, who was involved in that tragedy, scores three touchdowns against North Carolina. And the more North Carolina led them stay in it, the more you could feel the air coming out of the stadium and that they were in trouble. And I think on the sideline, you could feel it. I think Mac Brown knew they were in big trouble. It was just one of those days. But again, this is what happens week in and week out. This is why I think college football is so difficult to navigate week in and week out is you you just don't know. Like you think you know. You have weeks where you feel really strong about how you practice, and you go out and you lay an egg. And then you have weeks where you're sitting there goes, I don't feel we did not practice well at all. And then you go out and you play lights out. And who can explain it? You know, and I, I, I look at North Carolina and Virginia in that, in that regard. Uh, in the uh, Vulcan Tire and Automotive chat room, Tesla talk, the Bama trifecta. Bama wins. Tennessee loses. Auburn loses. <laughs> RTR. 
Uh, Michael throws in Utah has USC's number. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit. NH3425, looking ahead on Texas schedule. Kansas State might get that win against Texas this year. I will tell you this, that is an interesting schedule. Now let's get to what we saw in Alabama. Uh, different reports coming out of the locker room at halftime with Bama down 20-7. to seven. Uh, It goes something like this. Nick Saban doesn't say a lot. Has the team around him before they go back out. And he says something like this, Lugs. They're not going to smoke on our field. They're not going to disrespect us. They're not going to smoke on our field. And the other players started saying, they're not going to smoke. They're not going to smoke. And then the whole group starts chanting, they're not going to smoke. And that's all the coach said. And they come out in the second half, and they shut out Tennessee 27 nothing in the second half and come back and win that football game. A tale of two halves. What did you think of that Alabama comeback? Well, I, I, I chuckle because I feel like this, this is what we are going to see from Alabama each and every week. This is one of the most uniquely formulated football teams that week in and week out somehow is managing to still be the 800-pound gorilla in the room but almost act and play like an underdog at the same time. It's very, it's very strange to watch how this team complements uh, each other uh, in all three phases of the game. Um, you know, it was almost the exact opposite of what we saw at the game I had the week before with, with, with Arkansas and Alabama, a tale of two halves. And I just, this is what we're going to see. It's a little bit like Auburn's offense. Like, get used to it, Alabama. Excuse me. I lost my earpiece. We're having all kinds of difficulties. Uh, Can you hear me? Oh, absolutely, man. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, we're having all kinds of difficulties today. But I think this is what you're going to see out of Alabama's offense um, as well like I said, it's like it's like Auburn's offense. It's going to be a continual work in progress of trying to figure out how do we how do we manage to get a first down? Then how do we get the next first down? Then how do we somehow get into the red area and not settle for a field goal? When I watched them come out at halftime and saw that drive and momentum quickly shifted, then all of a sudden Tennessee started to make some play call decisions we've talked about fourth down decisions and, and some play calls that were were made in, in other games this weekend well there were some made in the Tennessee uh, game with Alabama too that I think had a lasting impact but I just think Alabama is one of those teams that if they get hot look out if they don't get hot and every single series is a struggle then you've got a chance to play with them into the fourth quarter the problem is they got hot in the second half, and defensively, the scoop and score and all of the momentum remained on Alabama's side for the entire half. Tennessee was never able to get any of it back. Yeah, an unbelievable play on the second play out of the gate from Milrow to yeah. Isaiah Bond, 46 yards there. And then the defense you know, does what that defense does at times. I didn't think they could shut them down the way they did, especially after that first half when Squirrel yeah. had 100 yards receiving and Milton was cruising in that first half. But they did that. A couple of guys who were forced in because of injury. Jihad Campbell, 
unbelievable yeah. at defense. Forget the touchdown. That was the work of Braswell. He just scooped it up and ran it in. He had like yeah. nine or ten tackles, five or six solo tackles. And then there's Amos who has to come in for Terrion Arnold, who is having a tough day out on the corner, gets a concussion. So here comes Amos in again. He's forced into action. And then all of a sudden there's no more squirrel. There's no more throws on that side. Amazing yeah. job by those two guys in relief of uh, some starters. It's like the Texas A&M game. Instead of, instead of it being Malachi Moore, it was Terrion Arnold. And so now you pull him out. You replace with Trey Amos at corner. You got Moore back. You still have um, Caleb Downs. Uh, against Arkansas, Jihad Campbell was, I don't know, third on the depth chart. B- barely saw any, any work, any valuable reps in that game. And the next thing you know, he's playing lights out against Tennessee. That's where the competitive depth comes into play. I agree with you in this one regard, too, where I thought Alabama really stepped up, made some nice adjustments, was I was surprised at how successful Joe Joe Milton was with his legs. He created some plays, extended some plays, got valuable positive yardage on plays that looked like they could have been near mishaps in, in negative yards. But they, you know, he starts off nine for nine. They completely shut him down in in the second half completely. For the most part, there was there was no offense to be seen uh, from from Tennessee. And you know, listen, the, you know, everybody's talking about officiating and penalties. And listen, do I think there were some ticky tack calls um, in that game? Yes. But let let's point something out here. There's only been one game, one game, going back to the Texas Alabama game where the opponent has had um, fewer penalties than Alabama. So are we now going to say that because Alabama had fewer penalties and Tennessee had more that the officials are making sure Tennessee wins the game? Well, what about all those other games? Listen, officiating, poor officiating, does not discriminate. We see it every week, regardless of conference. You're going to have calls go your way. You're going to have poor calls made. You're going to have a call like we talked about in the Texas-Houston game that should have been overturned, and it wasn't. Well, I, I just I understand the frustration, but that's the frustration is part of the game in every contest. Uh, there were nine penalties in the game, only nine penalties, so they they were letting them play. Eight of them were yeah. against Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. I will tell you, I you know you asked Rodell Williams today if they called every flag they could call on Tennessee that forearm shiver when he's already down to the back of right. his helmet there I mean my god if that was a quarterback they hit uh, that kid would have been in prison for five to ten years for assault yeah uh, no flag there and then don't get Alabama fans started on what went on in Knoxville last year right yeah, uh, exactly I thought it was a I mean, nine penalties. I'll sit and watch that all day long. Only nine penalties. Now, for Alabama to take 17 penalties last year and whittle that down to one, you know, that's a good good little home field there. But, you know, I yeah. thought they let them play. They let them play in the SEC. You know, were there some holding calls not made? Absolutely. I can show you the same way. every when, game. Yeah, I could show you Tennessee lineman holding Alabama's great defensive lineman as well, too. It works both ways. I, I really did not like the way Josh Heupel handled that afterwards. And we'll play it later on. But uh, he gets asked about, did he think it was a fair shake? And he gives you 28 seconds of silence. Was that silence long enough? You know, to me... That's like you saying something. If I'm the commissioner, I find him. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> Either say it or don't say it, dude. Don't just sit there and be silent. Yeah. 
You, you know, go you ahead. can afford the fine. You can, you can afford, afford it. That's right. You can afford the <laughs> fine. If you thought it wasn't fairly officiated, then step up and say it. Don't sit there and act like a kid. Uh, this is Monday Morning Live, mybookie.ag. Uh, mybookie.ag brings you this every week. The show also brought to you by our friends at Blakely's Bouquets. Wonderful folks there. In fact, I may use Blakely's today and send a little congratulations to a little uh, – someone who had a wonderful weekend uh, this weekend uh, on the athletic surface. You can send for anything, blakeleysbouquets.com, blakeleysbouquets.com. All you have to do is go to that website. Uh, they got anything, whether it's for uh, formals or proms or homecomings, uh, whether it's weddings, or just to say I love you, blakeleysbouquets.com. Great folks there. You can call them up, 205-579-4900, 579-4900, or in person at the Full Service Flower Shop on Oxmoor Road. It's Blakely's bouquets blakeleysbouquets.com Luganville, Alabama now uh, up to number 9 in the polls and they get this mm-hmm. bye week so it comes at a good time uh, get everybody time. get everybody a little healthier let let them rest a little bit uh, as they as they work their way back and then there's LSU who also has a bye week they took care of army as expected 62 nothing and initially you think to yourself can Alabama score enough with LSU? But I want to ask you the big question today. We've got two weeks to talk about this. But can Alabama's defense keep that game manageable against LSU's offense and the great Jaden Daniels and those receivers? Do you think Bama's defense matches up with LSU's offense to make this a super competitive game in two weeks in Tuscaloosa? Better than any game that LSU has played to this point, better than any defensive effort that they've seen from this point. Yes. Um, Is it easier said than done? Absolutely. I continually point to quarterback run game, improvised plays, uh, the movement of the pocket that you'll see from LSU, not knowing where the quarterback's going to be in a stationary framework, um, which is where you'd like them to be each and every time. I think Jane Daniels is a Heisman Trophy candidate. I think the the fact that they've got two losses is unfortunate because he's absolutely played lights out. Um, at times, he's played unconscious, uh, both through the air and on the ground. The weapons are outstanding. Um, I just I, I I think that there is enough, particularly with Alabama's front. Uh, and not just the, the the front three or four, but really the front seven as a whole when we include the linebacking core that can get off the field a few times, that can create some negative plays, that can put LSU behind the chains. I think that's the one thing about LSU. If you've watched them and you've really kind of paid close attention because they're so fun to watch on offense, but they've been able to stay on schedule. They're, they're, they've rarely been in negative um, disadvantages when it comes to line to game. Uh, particularly on the critical downs that matter most, first and third. And so um, can they do it? Yes. Um, Then when they get the ball back, the question then becomes, can they go score touchdowns? Can Alabama go score touchdowns? And I said about about the Tennessee game, when Alabama gets hot, it may not be pretty, but all of a sudden they score at a clip. Uh, And when they're not hot, it's a struggle. And – I don't think they can afford, if their defense gets off the field and gives them the ball back, they can't afford to sputter because they may not have that many of those opportunities. Deborah Campbell is mm -mm good. Uh, Talking about Jihad there as a backup role. Michael makes a great point. Caden Proctor, who's got all the skills in the world, 
played a little bit better this week at that left, left tackle mm-hmm. position, especially in the second half. Uh, Sooner Rod, if Jaden Daniels beats Bama, he'll win the Heisman. Jerry has a question before we take our first break, our only break. Was Bama's second half comeback a sign of their improvement throughout the season? I don't see them doing that in week two or three earlier this year. So they didn't they, they didn't see that team playing that good in the second half as they did against in the second half against Texas. Is that a sign to you that they've improved to, to through uh, this part of the season? They've absolutely improved. The, the 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 better question might be, can we see them do that for four quarters? That's the issue. Is can we see them come out of the locker room in the first quarter, go up and down the field and score and run the football and make some big explosive plays? not take sacks, be minimally penalized, and then do it in the second quarter, and then do it in the third quarter, and then finish it out in the fourth quarter. That's what I think is frustrating Nick Saban so much and this staff so much is nobody can put it together for four quarters. Then when we see that, and will we see it? I don't know. But if we see that, then you're going to see a really dangerous football team. All right, great stuff from you guys in the chat room early on. One more segment to go as we work to the top of the hour. It's Monday Morning Live, brought to you by our friends at MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.ag, and by our friends at Manscaped. Promo code is MONDAY20. MONDAY20 is the promo code. Get all, it's, hey, by the way, great holiday gift uh, for you, for a friend, for a family member, all the items at Manscaped. Head-to-toe grooming for the men out there. Just go to Manscaped.com, Manscaped.com. Use the promo code MONDAY20. That's exclusively exclusively for all of us that wake up early on Monday morning to talk football. MONDAY20 gets you 20% off your order. Perfect for the holiday season. That is manscaped.com, manscaped.com for that grooming head-to-toe. MONDAY20 is your promo code. Uh, We use it here on the show. It is fantastic. It's changed my life. I love all the... uh, balms, lotions, and other care you can get there to go along with the shaving kits. It's all right there. Manscaped.com. Promo code MONDAY20 to save 20% off this holiday season. When we come back, Auburn and Ole Miss. The biggest game in the country. That's how good the weekend was. Second half of the show is before we get to Ohio State, Penn State. And a little bit more on the future at Alabama and the future of Dabo Sweeney still to come on Monday Morning Live brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round to tell you about one of our favorite places for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That is Hamburger Heaven since 1982. Hamburger Heaven has been serving Birmingham's best hamburgers, cheeseburgers, french fries, hand-spun milkshakes, and sandwiches made fresh to order. All of their ingredients are fresh and prepared daily. This includes their beef, always fresh, never frozen, hand-pattied each and every day. For breakfast, lunch, or dinner, visit any of the four locations, Highway 280, Irondale, Gardendale, and Homewood. The next round is so much more than the show you get from 9 to 1 each day. So make sure to head to our official YouTube channel at Next Round Live and subscribe to get all of our latest content. We, of course, have plenty of specialty content and shorts based all around the sports in the heart of the SEC. But we also talk pro sports, gambling, lifestyle and entertainment, and so much more. It's the Next Round YouTube channel where you never know what you're going to find next. Subscribe now to see the latest content and get notifications when we go live. That's at Next Round Live on YouTube. 
Red Wing Shoes is pleased to announce the ultimate fit and comfort savings event during the month of October. Mention the next round and receive a special discount of up to $30 off. Visit your local Red Wing Shoe store in Pelham or Trussville to have your feet electronically measured. A certified fit specialist will then recommend the proper footwear and orthotic to ensure you receive a comfortable pair of boots or shoes. So be prepared as the fall weather begins to change. Enjoy a pair of classic Red Wing Pecos pull-ons, Heritage Iron Rangers, or Vasque hiking boots from Red Wing. Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round to tell you about our friends at Gutter Cap. Gutter Cap's that patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters to keep out debris and eliminate that gutter cleaning. It's back with a lifetime warranty, almost 20-year service record right here in Birmingham. Stay off that dangerous ladder forever. 45% off the retail price now if you call. GutterCapBirmingham.com. Call my good friend Chris Stewart now, 205-823-2212. Cap it, don't snap it, it's Gutter Cap. Hey, Ryan Brown here from the next round. Do you want to help pay for my kid's college and look great while you're doing it? You need to go to the next round store. Everything from hats to short sleeve and long sleeve t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, zip-up hoodies, and much more. And we're adding new things all the time. Why would you not want to see my kids get a great college education and look great out in the public while you're doing it? Get the gear we wear all the time on the show, and there's only one place to get it. Nextround.store. That's nextround.store. As summer starts to fade, get ready to welcome the arrival of fall. But hey, it's not just football season making an entrance. In the world of pests, it's fall invader season. Hold on tight because we've got four major troublemakers stepping into the spotlight. Box elder bugs, kudzu bugs, ladybugs, and stink bugs. These pests don't just knock. They barge in like they own the place. But fear not. Dial up Wayne's Pest Control now, 865-588-6686. And let's show those fall invaders who's boss. Don't let pests crash your party. Take charge today. Georgia, by the way, is number one for the 19th straight week, third best all time behind Miami in 2021 and USC back in 2005 with the record for the longest at number one. Uh, but their margin shrunk down. They got 38 first place votes. Here comes Michigan with 19, Ohio State, Florida State each with three, Washington State five, Oklahoma, Texas, Oregon, and Alabama back in there at number 10. Penn State drops to 10. Luke's will talk about uh, Ohio State, Penn State, and the rest of college football after I tell everyone about our friends at Way to Wellness, your journey to healthy living. Uh, listen, uh, maybe this football season starting to stack up on you. The buffalo wings, maybe the chicken fingers, maybe the burgers, maybe the hot dogs at the stadium, maybe the alcohol. Starting to put on the pounds, jumpstart that weight loss with our friends at Way to Wellness. Leslie and her board certified team, they've got a plan designed specifically for you. No cookie cutter plan. Just uh, go to their website. It's a plan for me.com a plan for me.com and you'll learn more about way to wellness there's no contract no sign up fee and your first consultation is free so there's no out-of-pocket money to learn all you need to know about way to wellness i've used it for years keeps me right in that 184 range that i love so much even when i go crazy on a football weekend like i did on the third saturday of october in tuscaloosa i'm able to whittle it back down to my weight to where i fit really good in that uh, suit i had on last night for a special occasion it's way to wellness that's a journey to healthy living that website again a plan for me.com ohio state penn state one of 16 lugs on third down oh. 
for Penn State. One of 16. Oh. When we first started doing a show together, when you joined Brown and me on AM radio, you had a formula that you would break down for us, and one of them was one of them was third down conversions. I would imagine one of 16 is an indicator you're not going to win the football game. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's go over that real quick. Remember that? So the, the, the four stats that matter, right? right. I'm, 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 I'm proud of you, Jim. Look at you hearkening back to the old days and remembering those things. So do you remember what the other three are? Um, one of them was third down conversions. The other was explosive plays or no? Uh, average yards per pass attempt, okay. which is a, a reflection of explosive plays. All right, uh, what are the other two? Um, you're going to lose me on those. Turnovers is one always. Turnover margin, okay, that's three. What's the fourth one? The fourth one's going to be a hard one because nobody thinks of The fourth one to me is going to be um, – Tackles for loss. No. No. Rush attempts. Oh, running Not the football. Not rush yards, rush attempts. Because rush attempts is a, a distinct reflection of controlling the game. And so if you win three of those four or you win four of those four, you're going to win the football game. And, um, you know, you, you look at you look at Penn State and, and, and Ohio State. Now, listen, the bottom line at the end of the day – is one team had a guy wearing number 18 and the other team didn't. Oh, wow. I mean, let, let's let's just call it what it is. And for all of Drew Aller's accolades and, and I think physical attributes, and I think he's going to be a really, really, really good player, it did not seem like they were ready for that moment on offense. Um, well, can, can, let me ask they, you, do you think James yeah. Franklin on Friday night would have told you Aller's going to pass the ball 42 times in that game because he was 18 of 42 and it's not like they were way behind the whole game and having to play catch up. They forced them a running team to throw it 42 times. Well, and you figured that was the goal. If you're Ohio state, right? Young inexperienced quarterback, he's on the road. If we're going to lose this game, we're not going to get trampled on by Catron Allen and Nick Singleton. We are going to line up and we're going to, we're going to get after it on the outside on the perimeter. The other part of this, too, he's 18 of 42. Well, part of that is nobody's open. Ohio State blanketed Penn State's targets down the field. And without the run game, which is the complete bread and butter of, of Penn State's entire offense, Drew Aller comes off of that. He should not be at the forefront of the offensive game plan. And they just they got beat by a, a team that played better. I'm not willing to necessarily say that Ohio State versus this iteration of Penn State's team is necessarily the better team. But they were better in the moment. They were more prepared for the moment. And, um, and again, they had number 18. I mean, there was, that was a – Ohio State was very sporadic on offense. It was kind of touch and go. At times it looked good. At other times it looked downright ugly. But when they had to, Penn State had no answer for Marvin Harrison. And he changed the game uh, enough to change it to, to get the W for Ohio State. And, you know – now you look at James Franklin, he, he's 0-10 against top 10 teams during his tenure at Penn State. And I think I said last week this this game was a defining moment for him, right? Like, you define the moment of the moment defines you, and we are continually seeing a team that does not rise to the occasion in the biggest moments. Okay, great question in the chat room. We'll get to that uh, but, but from Royal Payne. But first, Rod wants to know, is it possible for a wide receiver – and now in today's NFL to go number one in the draft? And would Marvin Harrison Jr. rise up to that? 
I think it's very, very difficult. And this is a this is a really, really good question because this question applies to high school recruiting rankings as well. The reason why I lend to saying no is because there are so many wide receivers out there that you don't necessarily have to have the best one to be a Super Bowl team or to be a playoff team or to be a college football playoff team or a national championship contender because the position is so deep in terms of talent and there are so many to choose from that there's enough to go around. It's why the priority is placed so heavily on offensive tackles, defensive linemen, really tall cover corners, because you don't have those guys in numbers. Is it out of the realm of possibility? No, of course not. But let's just say a Marvin Harrison comes out in a, in a, in a, in a draft pool where it's a really strong year at defensive end or defensive tackle or like this quarterback class, um, then it's probably not probable or likely. Whoiscoffee.com, whoiscoffee.com brings you uh, part of Monday Morning Live every Monday. Whoiscoffee.com, go to that website, learn everything about their great mission, uh, giving back to the people who actually grow the 100% Arabica beans they use in their coffee, light, medium, and dark roast, and they helped us design the Next Round Coffee. You can buy it right now in our store, nextround.store, nextround.store. Uh, Michael says Tommy Reese called a great game in the second half. Royal Payne backs us up, Luke's, and wants to ask you this question. Alabama using more orbit and jet action to help keep the defense thinking. What do you think of that in this football game where they, they did a couple of the jet sweeps and a lot of action yeah. moving across the, the quarterback uh, and then the handoff to Jace McClellan who had a good game. What did you think of that action that seemed to be a little bit of a new wrinkle? I think anytime you create any type of window dressing, uh, cross action in the backfield, especially right as the ball is being snapped, you have the opportunity to influence the defense and create eye violations so that you get them going in a direction that the ball is not. That's always going to help because what it does is it sets up your angles for certain blocking schemes, certain gap schemes. The other part of it is I think they're doing it to help out Jalen Milrow when, when they are going to throw the ball. Give an indicator – when that guy's coming across in motion, if there's somebody coming with him, guess what? It's man-to-man coverage, all right? If they just bump over and that guy sits over there and they're going to bump it over here, it's a great indicator that it's going to be zone coverage. So it gives the quarterback an idea pre-snap of, of what he's likely going to see, which is then going to take him where he needs to go with the football. So little things like that I think are, are, are great opportunities to grow your quarterback, to give him things that you know send a message – and at least allow him to know where to go with the ball post-snap. Does it mean that it's always going to remain what you think it is, but it does give you the opportunity to get a little bit of a head start prior to the, the, to the play being snapped? Great question, Royal Payne. I appreciate that in the chat room over there. All right, as I always do, I've pushed this up against the wall. we got 10 minutes and a lot to get to, so let's fly right. through some of these great uh, games here. Ole Miss wins at Auburn. The first time since 51-52 and 52 that they've won back-to-back games against Auburn. They've played every year since 1990. They won't play next year. For Lane, it was personal because of the offseason or during the season flirtation with that job last year, and Hugh has still loved at Ole Miss. 28-21, Jackson Dart with a big game. Auburn is what it is offensively. Yeah. But they play so much better there. Gutsy win, I thought, for Ole Miss. But it was a gutsy win because, let me tell you something, they had to earn it. That Auburn defense wasn't screwing around. Um, I think the two backbreakers were the 90-yard scoring drive and the 68-yard scoring drive 
that kind of just, you know, popped the balloon, if you will. That was the needle that popped the balloon when you're, when you're, you know, Ole Miss on offense because it sent a message and they just started, I think, over the course of time with the Auburn defense playing as well as they did. I think they had seven consecutive series or something in that realm or seven total series where, where Auburn got Ole Miss off the field. I mean, that's a, you do that, you, you got to expect to have a tremendous opportunity to win the game. There's just no answers on offense right now. And you and I have talked about this the last couple of weeks. This is what you're going to have to deal with right now if you're an Auburn fan. Um, you're going to work around this each and every week. Not going to be pretty. There may not be an answer this year. Uh, you, you might just be trying to work through things, get into the offseason, get into the transfer portal, try and come up with a better plan and a better group of players on that side of the ball. But defensively, Auburn fans need to be really, really proud because that was not a game that it came easy for Ole Miss. And there's times when Ole Miss can make it look really, really easy on offense. Yeah, and I will tell you, uh, Hugh's doing a great job recruiting a couple of big uh, four- and five-star guys last week. Uh, so he's having to yep. change that roster. But at that place, they get Alabama at the end of the year down there. They are so much better. Uh, Taylor points out, at what point do you stop the quarterback rotation? Uh, I think uh, before that final drive and basically mop-up time, Auburn had 45 passing yards and two interceptions between Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne. Uh, that's not yeah. working. I don't know if just playing one of them would work either. Well, you have to ask yourself, if we play one of them, are we getting the same result that we're getting playing two of them? Probably. So maybe there's a skill set or something that they like about one more than they like the other, and then there's a skill set about that guy that they like about him more than they like the other, and they're trying to get the best of both worlds out in some way, shape, or form that they think gives them the best chance. But from from what I've seen, whether you rotated them or you played Robbie Ashford for four quarters, you played Peyton Thorne for four quarters, I think you're going to get the same result. They are what they are. All right. Uh, Brandon wanting to point out he thinks um, Auburn, maybe, uh, excuse me, Oklahoma. Uh, I'll start over. Brandon points out Oklahoma may be a paper ti- tiger. Uh, wants to know about Oklahoma moving forward. For instance, he points out Oklahoma State, since they named a starter, Oklahoma State looks really good. That's still on Oklahoma's schedule down the stretch. And then, of course, a Big 12 championship game. Do you think the Sooners can stick the landing? I, I, I do think they've got every opportunity to stick the landing, yes. I'm concerned about whether or not Jalen Daniels for Kansas plays for them when they play Kansas. That could be interesting. That could be problematic. Um they're so vastly improved from what they were a year ago. They're playing with confidence. I think they know they've got everything in front of them. They're in a position nobody expected them to be in. How do they ha- handle the mounting pressure and the mounting expectation week in and week out as it gets closer to a Big 12 championship game? It gets harder and harder and harder, and everybody's gunning for them. So, yeah, I do think they can it relative to the rest of the conference. You are right, though. Um, you could argue that Mike Gundy's maybe been – one of the coaches of the year in that conference, when you consider what South Alabama did to them, 33-7 to drubbing in Stillwater, and now all of a sudden they've rebounded and played really, really well with Alan Bowman, at quarterback. But it's really been Ollie Gordon, the running back, has been on a terror for Oklahoma State offensively. So they settled in there. Bedlam could be really, really good. Yeah, Brandon pointing out when it's all said and done, Oklahoma likely plays just one ranked team uh, all season yeah. long. Utah beats USC with a pick farmer at quarterback. 
Um, another, <laughs> another, you know, frustrating loss for Lincoln Riley, where Caleb Williams' numbers against really good defenses continue to be uh, scary. If you're going to end up drafting him in the NFL, uh, big win for Utah. There, they get Oregon this weekend. Oregon survived Washington State. That sets up another big game in the Pac-12 and likely gets rid of USC in the college football playoff conversation. What's the what's more likely? SC winning out or SC losing two more games? Um I would say SC losing two more games, right? I I would too. I would too. And the schedule down the stretch is rough. The offense, the, the defense, listen, I, they were better this past week, obviously, against the backup quarterback, against a starting strong safety that all of a sudden became Superman on offense for Utah. Sione Baki was unbelievable for Utah. Utah defensively just suffocates you. But we saw that this weekend. Um, but Oregon can play defense, too. Washington's competent on defense, too. UCLA is competent on defense. SC's in trouble, uh, Jim. I, 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 and it ain't Caleb Williams can only take you so far. They're not plus 22 in turnover margin like they were a year ago. I keep hitting that number because it's so critical. When you're going to play that poorly on defense and you're not getting the ball back multiple times for your offense, there's only so much Caleb Williams can do. And so, um, I think this thing's going to come down. Listen, Oregon State's getting ready to take on Arizona. That's a sneaky game that's going to have an impact on the rest of the Pac 12 race. So, this is going to be a conference. It's going to be really fun to see how it unfolds down the stretch for a college football playoff berth. Uh, Clemson loses at Miami. Dabo afterwards uh, throws his quarterback under under the bus, says it was not a run-pass option, was not an RPO. It was a called running play, and Klubnik pulled it out and tried to run it himself. I think the quote was, uh, he's trying to do too much. Um, mm-hmm. Clemson and Dabo, they're in a precarious situation right now for the future of that program, uh, trying to stay on the level they've been at. Yeah, listen, um, that's twice that's happened with the quarterback. Do you remember the third and one call against Florida State where they had the handoff and he, he pulled it and threw it out to the wide receiver on the short side of the field and they lost a yard? Yep. And all he had to do was hand it off. That's twice Cade Klubnick's done that. The problem with Clemson right now isn't so much talent. It's a lack of discipline. It's a lack of execution. And I think there's some self-doubt seeping in with this football team. They haven't been challenged like this. They've rarely been on the field where, for the most part of a four-quarter game, they haven't been the superior team or made better plays than the opposition. For whatever reason, that that thing seems to be going in the other direction. To sit here and say that all of a sudden they're falling off of a cliff, I think that's a bit premature. But it's clear they don't have Trevor Lawrence. It's clear they don't have Deshaun Watson. I would make an argument. It's clear they don't have Taj Boyd at quarterback. And the weapons around all of those guys were way better than they are around Cade Club. Yeah, their receivers used to be great. Yeah, their receivers used to be great. Yeah. Defensively, they are legit. They're still legit. Problem is the offense ain't helping them very much. Yeah. All right. Uh, three minutes to go in the show. Brought to you by my bookie. One hundred and ten percent deposit bonus still continues at least for today. Jump on there. Mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag. You've got to use the promo code next round to jump in. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Mybookie.ag. Um, the chat room wants to ask you about Sam Pittman. 
they fired Dan Enos, the offensive coordinator, 7-3 loss to Mississippi State with recruiting early signing period coming up. People are asking, do you make a, do you pull the court? He is what he is in Arkansas. I think you got to know your Arkansas football history recently. Sam Pittman has done a good job there, just not this year. He has done a good job. I, I will I will say this, and this is what might get him. And unfortunately, right, wrong, or indifferent, this is the reality that Arkansas fans are probably frustrated with. They've had 21 one-possession games during his tenure. They've won five. Yeah. And, and I think Arkansas's fan base isn't necessarily expecting them to go out and routinely beat Alabama or routinely beat LSU or Georgia, somebody that they're outmatched against. But when you do get into a one-possession game, you have that opportunity on the road versus Ole Miss. You have that opportunity against the BYU. Or maybe there's some middle-of-the-road teams in the SEC. You have to win those games. If you get into a one-possession game, you have to win those. And they have not. And the offense, with a lot of experience, particularly at quarterback, and when Rocket Sanders is healthy at running back, has has regressed. They have not gotten better. Okay, I want your 60-second thought on this. Uh, I don't know if anybody noticed, Georgia coming off a bye week against what it virtually is 26th-ranked Florida. Then their schedule is number 16, Missouri, number 12, Ole Miss down the stretch, number 21, Tennessee on the road down the stretch, and potentially number 9, Alabama in the SEC championship game. Georgia's schedule all of a sudden has gotten hard, Lugs. Wait a minute. I thought it was the easiest schedule in America. What are we talking about? It's gotten um, hard. Listen, well, it's it's gotten hard, and obviously we know about the loss of Brock Bowers, and I think this is going to tell you an awful lot about Carson Beck. I thought I thought there was some real positives from the Kentucky game. I still go back to that game with Ra Ra Thomas and Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint, and the fact that they found other options, and Carson Beck was willing to target those other options and come up with other plays and ways to make plays. Listen, regardless of what the ranking is of the other team, Georgia will be the best team on the field in each one of those games. Doesn't mean they're going to win. I'm not saying that. But when you have the best team going in, you have a chance to win if you don't screw it up. Oh, man, we've got some good football left, and we'll be here every Monday to talk about it. He's Tom Luganbill of ESPN. I'm Jim Dunaway. Thanks for being with us on Monday Morning Live, brought to you by our friends at MyBookie.ag.